Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today we're joined by Colwyn Abgirl, PGA of Canada Professional, and before getting his card, he blew through the competition in the amateur ranks. He won the 2019 Manitoba Amateur, as well as the Golfer of the Year for Golf Manitoba. And in that same year, he participated in the U.S. Amateur at one of the meccas of golf, Pinehurst Number no. 2 and Number no. 4. He also won the 2017 Manitoba Match Play Championship. He currently is a certified personal coach at Golf Tech Winnipeg on Pemina Highway. All right, we're at a special location today. Uh, we are at Golf Tech and we are joined by Colwyn Abgral. And as always, 18 Over Par is presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park where you can improve your ride and your drive. Just go see Wilkie, former Manitoba amateur champ. Purchase a newer used vehicle and it'll even take you out for a round at Breezy Bend so your ride will look as good as your drive. And they're really nice people down there too. They're, they're different, they're not pushy, they're easy going, they're funny, you can shoot the shit. It's a whole lot of fun and as well, Colwyn will get himself from DQ Niverville, because he is Niverville's own. 
gets a custom 8-inch DQ cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. You can find them at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park and the Food Court, DQ Neverville, as we mentioned, and DQ St. Anne's Road. And you can now follow them on the Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Makes sense because they're pretty much have all the DQs in Manitoba right yeah, now. Yeah, they got that covered. <laughs> the uh, cool treats, the hot hot eats. Everything. But we have a special Mikey Likes It as well. We do. Because we are at Golf Tech. I don't believe they're licensed. I don't no. think they are. I don't no. think so, no. <laughs> um, yeah, we're throwing a curveball out there this week, JR. We're going with uh, something that's been a little... It's, it's been gaining some popularity over the last year, certainly. Can't get enough of them. It's the only place I get any hydration, and that is bubbly, sparkling water. I'm enjoying the blackberry bubbly today, JR. How about yourself? Uh, I have, what is it, the grapefruit? It is, is the grapefruit. It is the grapefruit, yeah. yeah. I like those both. Those we didn't even coordinate this. We just ended up both with, with bubblies. You see them everywhere. They're on the golf course. Mm. You're, they're great for the outdoor rinks. They're very <laughs> popular this winter there. And uh, it's great. You can you can even mix in some some libations with them <laughs> if you wish. But uh, We didn't get one for you, unfortunately, Colin. Sorry. No. You just have your water? No, that's totally cool. I'm just a big water guy. Yeah. You like <laughs> sparkling water at all? You get into the sparkling water? No, not a big sparkling water just, guy. Just uh, straight up water. Yeah. That's good. Nice and smooth. You got to stay hydrated. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the reason why, thank you so much for inviting us down here to Golf Tech on Pemina Highway, because you were brought up in episode, was it seven? With Bell? With yeah, Ryan, yeah, Ryan Bell. Our belly, yeah. So he calls you his swing coach, and he took a couple of shots of what you go through here at Golf Tech uh, and all the technology that you coincide with golf. So Golf Tech, haha. And Clever name. It was like, hey, we got to talk to this guy. And turns out you're also first cousins with people who we grew up with. So small world, that's Manitoba for you. What can Absolutely. you do? But uh, let's really get into into golf uh, because we had a little session here, session here before uh, we came on and it was fantastic. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. But first, let's kick it all off with if you remember when you got your first set of clubs, like what age? Oh, man, I got I got into the game pretty young, honestly. Um, had to have been, you know, three or four years old. Wow. That young. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Some of my first memories are golf and hockey related. Mm. Um, so yeah, very young first set of clubs. Um, I believe they were us kids, if mm -hmm. I'm not oh, mistaken. Okay. I've heard of that. Uh, just a little bit of a, a mishmash set, a little mm -hmm. driver, I think five wood, seven iron, and maybe a wedge. So like four clubs to get me started. But, uh, did you ask for them or did you just have a parent that was like, you're going to golf? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't believe I asked for them. <laughs> no, but, not, uh, not at three, three years old. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, us kids got me started and, uh, they worked not too bad. Oh, apparently. So did you then when, when you were starting out, did you get any lessons right away or where did you usually play? No, it was just uh, golf in the winter. Uh, sorry, sorry, hockey in the winter, mm -hmm. golf in the summer type thing. So, uh, yeah, never really got started with with lessons, um, honestly, until I was about a teenager. OK, I did a few winter sessions with uh, Derek Ingram. Oh, nice. Uh, when, when he was. Uh, not traveling as much <laughs> and coaching all the tour players. Right. Um, so that's, yeah, I didn't get really get instruction until I was about 15 or 16, 17, something like that. Were you always a two-sport athlete? Sorry, Mike, to cut you off. Were you always a two-sport athlete playing hockey and golf? Yeah, I was very big into, into hockey when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, 
and yeah, primary other sport was, was golf. Uh, I played a little bit of badminton in high school, Nice. but, uh, other than that dabbled in, in baseball a little bit for two summers when I was, uh, grade seven and eight and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, always, always hockey, always golf in the summers. I was just going to ask, uh, at a young age, if you weren't getting lessons officially, you must have, was your father or a family member, a big golfer? And, and that's kind of how you got into it. Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad's the one that I got a credit to, uh, getting me into the sport, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we grew up in, um, Waverly Heights uh, right across the street from Chancellor Elementary School. Okay. And so we'd go literally across the street into the playground and I would hit balls to him <laughs> and he would field them with a baseball glove. That's awesome. So yeah, some of my earliest days practicing were just hitting balls towards my dad in the field. Any injuries? Not, not that I know of. So yeah. no, hit it thin right into the, right into the He's wearing shin pads. Yeah. All I could see is just him and goalie equipment out there trying yeah. to catch the golf ball. <laughs> That's awesome. So then when did it really get competitive when, when you started taking those winter lessons or was there something before that, that kind of ticked off that, that checkbox of, Hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. Maybe I should strut my stuff in tournaments. Honestly, it was more so my falling out with hockey, just not being able to make it at a higher level mm. um, because I'm a smaller guy, as you guys can tell. Uh, I'm not really built in a hockey player's body, but I was just always... Maybe nowadays, kind of like Mitch Marner. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe nowadays, but um, yeah, I was just never really big enough to compete at the higher level. So I was always getting cut from those AAA teams oh, okay. and whatnot. And at that point it was like, okay, well you love golf, you might as well, you know, shift focus and mm-hmm. play tournaments, get some instruction, see what you can do in that sense. Cause I was always super, super competitive mm. and really hard on myself. And, you know, just always wanted to hit awesome golf shots all the time. <laughs> so how often would you play then as a junior? Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question actually. Or some of my uh, earliest junior memories are Southside and Steinbach fly-in related. Okay. So that's kind of where I got my mm-hmm. start into junior golf and, you know, just kind of competing against other juniors at the club that I would, you know, meet, whether it's a junior clinic day or club championship, mm-hmm. whatever, that's kind of... So you were a member then and you just played in those championships and then what progressed you to, you know, get into the, the Manitoba amateur tournament uh, and the match play tournament? Yeah, it, it just kind of fell into place. Like I, I, I got my start playing competitively on the Maple Leaf Junior Golf Tour. Oh, okay. Um, so that's kind of what fueled the competitive mm-hmm. desire within me. And, you know, seeing myself compete against the other juniors my age and then seeing them play in provincial tournaments, like, well, you know what, I might as well sign up and, and try my hand at that too. Right. And that's basically how it all started was getting started on the Maple Leaf Junior Golf Tour and then provincially, collegiately and so on. Did, is that when you got instruction from Ingram? Yeah, it was all kind of around the same time where I was like 15, 16. Okay. Got cut from all those teams. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know what, I'm going to be a golfer instead. And yeah, just kind of all started around that time. And it turned out okay for you. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. It's, it's been not too bad so far. <laughs> I think so. Do you have the stats, Mike? Yeah, I did want to get into the stats, Jordan. Oh boy. <laughs> well, first, first, you know, and, and this isn't everything, but mm-hmm. I, the first I wanted to bring up, which stood out to me, was 2017 amateur match play champion. 
the Manitoba Amateur Match Play champion. Is that correct? Do I got that right? Uh, it would just be, yeah, the Manitoba Match Play. Manitoba Match Play. Yeah, just the Manitoba Match Play. So you won that. Uh, it was interesting to me. Your final round was against Jay Doyle, who we don't know, but has, it's <laughs> came up on the pod before, and I think the Doyles run the uh, Sandy Hook operation out right. there, and, mm-hmm. and I think Jay's you know, a competitor in himself, and his father was as well. And uh, the first question is, what would it be like, what's it like you being in your early 20s playing somebody who... I'm assuming it might be twice your age. Is that intimidating to you, or? Well, I don't. I don't know if the overall age was intimidating. Right. Um, but the fact that the final matches were all played at Niaqua, where okay. we know Jay Doyle has been a member for a long <laughs> right. time, right? So he knows that course like the back of his hand. Mm-hmm. And the weeks prior, the, the literally the week prior in the quarterfinal or semifinal match was literally the first time I'd seen the course. Really? <laughs> so yeah, my semifinal match or what? Yeah, my would have been my first time on the course, and then Holy by smokes. the time we're, you know, finished the matches, that's all she that's all she wrote. That's awesome. Yeah. And how many matches I guess are there in that in that? I don't know. Like, well, they've they've changed the format this year, um, but the years that I played it, it was a thirty-two hole stroke play qualifying to start. Wow. And then uh, a 32-player bracket. So you had to win. You had to beat five players to win the title. Mm-hmm. And the final match is a 36-hole match. Same day. Same day. Mm. Wow! So a big day. An absolute marathon event. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Was that golf? Was that kind of was that your first big win then, or did you win uh, more when you were playing the junior circuit? I'd, I'd won a few times on the Maple Leaf Junior Golf Tour leading up to that, mm-hmm. but n- yeah, nothing to that extent, right? Nothing where you're, you're competing against 32 different guys and last man standing wins. <laughs> right. Um, I did, I was in the finals the, the year prior to that, so mm-hmm. I did kind of have experience going through an entire qualifying and then an entire bracket of other players, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, it's it's a it's an absolute marathon that event. Yeah, <laughs> physically and mentally, more Absolutely. so mentally. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think a fun fact you guys might appreciate this is, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, I believe I lost every first hole, every single one, every single one in the five matches. Oh wow! And ended up uh, winning, pulling it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you ease into it. That's right. Well, is there a different mindset than for you? I know we, we talked to Pete Moore about this uh, as well, as he was pretty good at match play. And did, was there a different way that you had approached the game when it came to match play as opposed to stroke play? I want to say no, but it's, it, yeah, it's very much, it is different because mm-hmm. it, it's very reactive. All right. Right. Where you can, you can kind of play mind games with your opponent. Mm-hmm. Right. You can you can choose to lay back and hit into the green first. Uh, yeah, it's just very reactive, and you don't really have to worry about score. And I think that's kind of where I excelled. Because mm-hmm. if I'm making triple bogey, it doesn't matter if the other guy makes eight or nine right. or whatever it is. So the <laughs> score didn't matter. Just I had to beat him on more holes. So is that what something would depending on like the course that you were playing? Was that a strategy that you would use? Like, oh, if I got the honors, I know I want to have a good approach shot into this green. So I want to be the guy that's going to get to hit that first approach shot. Uh, yes and no. It's hard to plan that out, right? right? Um, 
but yeah, you could, you can take advantage of those opportunities mm -hmm. and kind of play a mind game that way if you want to. I don't, I don't know. I necessarily did that. <laughs> I was just trying to hit, you know, as many good shots good as I shots. can to put the pressure on. Right? Yeah. Let's start at the basics first right. and figure out the mental warfare afterwards. Yeah. Well, because I was playing catch up. I was always down right. off the first right. hole. So I had to do something. You know, so like course management, you're saying, is important in that mental war warfare, I'll call it. But uh, are there guys out there, you know, everyone wants to get an edge. Are they they're being not following the rules are they con in the back the backswing are they doing subtle things to try and get you off your game or everyone's pretty uh fair out there no I, I never really ran into any situations where there's like you know a guy accidentally coughs or <laughs> right you know <laughs> yeah there, yeah there's none of that stuff going on uh the only thing would be you know like making a guy grind over a one and a half foot putt or something like oh, that yeah. just to kind of you know, poke him in the ribs, make sure he's paying attention. <laughs> right. Well, I think JR, you, you've said you've struggled with those short putts. Yeah. That's, that's been a big issue. And, and when we, when we came here and we mentioned that, uh, we were going to uh, do a little session with you here as well. I, the first thing I said was, yeah, it's really like hundred yards in and it's that, that short game and that putter for me and those short putts. So is there anything for someone who's, you know, mid handicap for that I am that you could recommend for me to do to sink more of those short putts? Like we're talking three to four feet. Yeah, three. I mean, three to four feet. That's yeah. That's the the normal gimme zone. Yeah, you're playing exactly. With your buddies exactly. Or yeah. But if you're playing an actual event, you got to make those. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think the the big thing there would be you know either pick a spot or a line, um, read it from both sides, mm -hmm. take your time on it, mm -hmm. right? You're not just getting up there and, and whacking a putt. Hope, hopefully it goes in. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> you'd, you'd, be, you'd be surprised at how many more putts you make from that range when you mm -hmm. actually read it from both sides, right. line it up, right. make a spot or a line, read it, mm -hmm. and then actually make a good stroke on it rather than just hoping it goes in. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I think I read it from one side just because I, I feel like I don't have the time to go all the way over to the other side of the pin and, and look at it. But I'm also not playing for any anything either, other than self-pride, I guess. <laughs> but uh, before we get mm -hmm. into the golf tech mm -hmm. stuff, I wanted yeah, there's to some other goodies. highlight the uh, 2019 Manitoba Amateur, uh, which you won in 2019. <laughs> it, was, it was at uh, Corey Oaks, right? Yep. And uh, so first question, had you played Corey Oaks a lot? You know, I feel like it's it's pretty close to Niverville there. So you're pretty familiar with that course? Yeah, it was almost like a, a second home course of sorts. Okay. That's awesome. Um, yeah, just being, you know, 25, 30 minutes away from the course. Uh, I had dozens of rounds under my belt um, with my dad and his buddies or other friends that I would go out there with. Um, same with Steinbeck flying, right? Mm -hmm. They're pretty close to each other. So, yeah, I spent a lot of my junior golf playing Corey Oaks. Yeah. So I know all the holes out there. I know I know what the nines are like. I knew what to expect. I didn't really need to, you know, get out there for a whole bunch of practice rounds. I just kind of already had a game plan in mm -hmm. mind. And I just really stuck to it and, and made sure yeah. that I executed. Because they have, they have the 27 holes at Corey Oaks. They have the Oaks. 
course, they got the uh, quarry course and the desert course. So I was curious how they set set up the Manitoba Amateur with those those options. They did not play us on the Oak Nine. Okay. Mm. They only kept us on the quarry and the desert. Right. And yeah, they still had public grounds ripping around there <laughs> <laughs> before and after we're teeing off. Mike and I were probably out there ripping around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the date? Yeah. 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 So they just, they just kept us on the, the quarry in the desert. Interesting. Um, do you have anything else on that? Cause I have a few things on, on the, on the amateur. amateur yeah. yeah. Like I don't, I don't have the, the stats, but how, how do you set yourself up going into a tournament like that? Because it's what, three rounds? Four. Four rounds. Four rounds. So if, like, do you go in and you don't really care what you do the first round or are you trying to, I guess you're trying to play the best golf you possibly can, but uh, do you get too hard on yourself if you maybe don't shoot a good score on the first day? Not necessarily. I think the the cliche term that's been thrown around a lot previously is um, you can't win it on the first day, Mm -hmm. but you can certainly lose it. Right. right? Right. I think that's maybe a famous Jack Nicklaus quote. Mm -hmm. uh, Don't honestly know, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I just... You know, I, I played very consistent golf and I just stuck to my game plan mm-hmm. and it ended up working out. What was uh, that game plan? Uh, <laughs> if you remember. <laughs> bogey avoidance. <laughs> bogey avoidance was a game plan and I think I did a not too bad job of doing that. Um, my scores were 71, 71, 72, 72. Yeah, so pretty consistent. So lots of pars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the f- low round on the first day was like four under. Oh, wow. So... That You're shows you right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so yeah, it was just bogey avoidance because people who know that course, it's bush. Yes. You you miss the, the fairway or the rough and you're in the bush. So did you hit a lot of driver? Uh, no, I hit a lot of driving iron. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not necessarily, uh, you know, pumping chief around Corey Oaks a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> because you, you honestly, can't, you honestly can't. Yeah. Uh, lots of lots of driving irons, three woods, four irons, that kind of stuff off the tee. And so that was, I guess, your plan. If if you're just going out playing, say with buddies, do you then do you then hit driver? Like, do you do you not care? But if you're playing competitive, you're like, okay, no, I actually have to think a little bit more about this. It'd, yeah, it'd be a bit of both, right? Like, mm-hmm. if I don't necessarily care about my score, yeah, I'm, I might be a little cheeky and pull a driver on some holes that I, I'm trying to squeeze it down there. Um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm trying to put a score together, Mm -hmm. I'm playing smarter rather than, you know, trying to get cheeky and Mm -hmm. put it into a a too narrow of a spot. See, that's where I would find myself. I would be the guy like, it's every hole driver. Do you you see guys that that play in the amateur competitively just to be like, no, I'm hitting driver on this hole. I don't care. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and that's the tough thing, right? Cause you, you'd hope to be able to coach guys out of that mm-hmm. mindset because, um, yeah, it's not necessarily the most beneficial right. unless your driver's on a frozen rope. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like Mike's is a high risk, <laughs> yeah. uh, high risk, high reward, baby. That's right. <laughs> well, talking about preparation, if you have, can I, can yeah. I cut in here? Yeah. Like preparation for the amateur and any tournament for that matter. Uh, there's an, there was an iconic photo online here <laughs> with you at the green of Corey Oaks, both arms in the air, putter in the air. You got, I'll call it tiger, tiger Sunday red on. Yeah. Not sure if you want to, <laughs> if that's a good thing or not. Uh, the polarized lenses and then the large brim bucket hat, which I love. And, and we'll post this, this picture. I think it's just great, but, uh, how much thought do you put into what you'll be wearing going into a tournament? <laughs> I don't want to say they're all laid out, uh, <laughs> prior to, but, uh, 
that that was the staple for the final rounds. Yeah. Was, was the nice red shirt, red and black for for Tiger. Yeah. Um, just kind of whatever. Obviously not to the extent that he wore it, mm-hmm. but just kind of you know paying omens to what he did when he was at his most dominant level. Mm-hmm. Just sure. trying to channel any amount of that <laughs> yeah. with a red shirt and black pants. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Even myself, like if I got a tournament that I'm playing and I'll wear my favorite right. shirt or something you're comfortable in and, and it doesn't work for me, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's no, still time <laughs> apparel and what, how you good, look good, feel good, good, play good, play mediocre, good, play mediocre. <laughs> yeah. Is my, is what I try. But, but, uh, yeah, that was my last question about the, the amateur. Okay. Cause well, 2019 then was still, cause you were also named golfer of the year. Uh, through Gulf Manitoba, I believe it was. So, what was that feeling like? Did you knew Did you know that you were going to get it? No, I, I honestly didn't. Um, I would, yeah. I mean, it would have been awesome to to know prior, but that's part of the suspense, and that's why they make you show up to the award ceremony. But uh, there's another golfer out of Brandon, um, Austin Debrescu. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a really good battle in the match play where he won in 2019 at Breezy. Um, and then he was runner up at the amateur at Corey Oaks. Uh, okay. And so he had a very solid year as well mm-hmm. too. So there, there are pros and cons of both of our seasons that year. And it was honestly a coin flip. You could have asked, you know, whoever, and they, they would have said either one of us potentially. Right. So. And then that year, was that also the year where you went down to play uh, the U.S. amateur? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So what compelled you to do that? Uh, that was planned with my swing coach that I was working with down in uh, Phoenix. Okay. Um, so were you in Arizona at the time? Yeah. So I, I finished school uh, December of 2017. Mm-hmm. And then I bounced back and forth in the winters trying to stay sharp as, as best as I could. Right. So yeah, I was down in Phoenix uh, still playing some tournaments and stuff like that. And it was pre-planned with my my coach, whether I did the the qualifier in and around the Phoenix area, mm-hmm. um, I didn't end up doing that. I went down to Fargo mm-hmm. and did it instead. And uh, I actually did that the week before I won the amateur. Oh, okay. Because wow. the qualifier you, in, For- in Fargo. The qualifier, did you finish second? Uh, I was tied for first. Tied for first, okay. Yeah. Well, that's all right. So, one, so that's what got you to actually play that's right. at Pinehurst. So like yep. the Mecca there, Pinehurst number two and number four, Yep. Do you have any jitters going into that? <laughs> um, the 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 U.S. amateur, not necessarily, because mm-hmm. I I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, contending. It was okay. just mostly, you know, manage your expectations mm-hmm. and enjoy the experience right. as much as you can, because I I know I'm not going to be up there on the top <laughs> right. of the leaderboard. So it was kind of a no pressure situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I finished about as well as I expected or played as well as I expected to on a course like that. But yeah, just a, an absolutely phenomenal experience at Pinehurst. I can imagine. How many rounds did you get in there? I ended up getting four rounds. Wow. So I got a practice round on each course and then a tournament round on each course. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, just, was, I was looking at pictures and it just looks unbelievable. Uh, you know, I know Riggs there from Barstool. He had yeah. spent like, uh, you know, was <laughs> 100 three, days or 100 something, days like or something yeah. through the pandemic. And then uh, I think I got sick of watching him, but <laughs> it was pretty amazing to watch. Did you stay right on the grounds there? It seemed like just yeah. a majestic place. Yeah, we stayed right at the uh, Carolina Hotel or in and around the, the area in like a little condo type mm, nice. situation. So were you out there for the week? 
Yeah, I was out there for, I want to say like four or five days, I think five days, something like that. Um, I actually flew directly from Halifax, uh, from the Canadian amateur, right, oh, right wow. to Pinehurst. So that would have been a hell of a year. And I'm going to touch on the Canadian amateur as well, because that was played at Glen Arbor. Do you remember much of that course or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that was literally a 10-minute drive from my house when I was living out there. Oh, really? So I'll get to play that quite a few times. We had, uh, there was a skins game that was played there. I know that I think there was a Gretzky and family and friends tournament that was held there. Mike Weir did some for sick kids there. And I actually did for a children's charity out there. I played a hundred, hundred holes of golf on that course <laughs> in really? one day. And tough job. It, well, after about <laughs> hole 40, 45, you're done. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> My hands were raw. <laughs> Yeah, my back. But they had physiotherapists out there and massage therapists, which was nice. But I think I lost. I got one of those like things from Walmart. You know, like you get like a bunch of balls for like what is it, twenty, thirty, forty bucks? Like a right. at the time, it was just a, a basket of shitty balls that you can go out there and not sweaty balls, but shitty balls. Ooh, yes. And because you lost like fifty, and it was like whatever. I don't even care. I just want to get this done, helping the kids. So we raised a bunch of money. But uh, do you? Do you remember that course? Did it eat you up or did you, do you have good feelings about that course or not so good feelings? Um, it was more so the other course that we played. I don't know oh, if okay. um, you're familiar with it. It's called Links at Brunello. No, I've it's, heard it's of it, a, but I, yeah, it's a new course out oh, there. Okay. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a split event, mm. but yeah, Glen Arbor, um, yeah, honestly didn't have my best stuff that week. I think <laughs> I was like high seventies at both courses. Mm. Um, and I was playing it. They made it play as a par 70. So made it even oh, wow, okay. longer and uh, lower scored. So yeah, just a uh, really solid course though. Lots of elevation change, right. rolling hills, uh, right by the river, the, mm -hmm. the, the bodies of water down there. Yeah, just a beautiful area though. Halifax, shout out Halifax. <laughs> yeah, Awesome place. Yeah, former home. There you go. Shout out to them. And for the team, they, they take, what is it? The, the top three from each province and they get to play plus other qualifiers. Is that how, is that how that works? Yeah, that's right. So the top, three finishers from each provincial amateur mm -hmm. compete for what's called the Wellington Cup. Oh, okay. So it's like a little inter-club or inter-provincial right. inter tournament with, within the Canadian amateur. Um, so yeah, I was on a, a team with uh, Jordy Lutz mm -hmm. and Austin Debrescu, who were two and three at, at Corey Oaks. Right. Nice. So that was an awesome experience to be able to be a part of a Wellington Cup squad. And um, I think Austin was uh, the only... Canadian to make the cut since like 2016 or something like wow. that or the sorry the only Manitoban to Manitoba. make the cut yeah wow yeah. so that must be nice and especially someone who you've come up uh, against competitively it, it must be nice to kind of see hey a guy did this from my province that's pretty awesome so I guess you guys are probably still pretty close yeah I haven't talked to him in a little while here but um he's been he, t he turned pro recently last fall and uh, I actually I missed the cut at the Canadian Am, but I stayed and, and caddied the last oh, two nice. rounds for him. So <laughs> That's I awesome. figured I'd at least uh, hump the bag if I'm, if I'm not doing anything else rather than be in the hotel room. Might as well. Yeah. Good, nice walk. Yeah, exactly. And were you, then was the golf like your full-time thing then between whether you were playing in Arizona? Were you doing mini tours in Arizona? Um, I Yeah, but I, I was still an amateur, right? So I was okay. still trying to compete at the pro level, right? but just not turn pro yet. Cause I, I knew I wasn't ready. I just, I, the nice thing was on those developmental tours down South, um, they have uh, a smaller entry fee for amateurs oh, okay. to be able to test yourself against the field. Mm -hmm. So instead of a $900 pro entry fee, it's like 
300 or 250 or something oh, and nice. you still get to play against all the pros cool. and he said he had a coach down there as well right yeah and so then what's kind of brought you to becoming a professional like what was that difference where like okay now i'm ready was it just working with your swing coach or did you just know physically mentally i'm ready to go pro. I actually didn't turn pro until I started this job. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So in, in September is when I turned pro. I, I, I played uh, all my events as an amateur up until this point. Nice. But uh, yeah, I, that was the nice thing about staying amateur is you get to double dip. Mm. You can still play the, any pro event um, if you're invited or if you qualify or if you pay your entry fee and you can test yourself against the pro field, but you can still, you, you don't have that... Uh, you know, nagging thought in the back of your mind. Oh my God, did I, did I turn pro too early? Am I ready for this? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the nice thing about doing that. And what is that, that process then? Like, do you, you did your player ability tests? Like walk us through that process of turning, like getting your, do you get a card? Do you get a PGA of Canada card? Hopefully yeah. it's laminated. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I didn't have to actually do the PAT. Okay. Um, I was able to be exempt from that just from a previous like tournament score. Right. Okay. So I just submitted a, a, a tournament score that um, had rules officials mm -hmm. and they gave me the exemption and I got my card. Uh, I don't have a physical copy of it. Uh, it's just, just I, I log in on online and oh. and there it is on my phone. Maybe we can print one off. Yeah, yeah. Mike's, Mike's got a laminator. I got a laminator and a printer, so yeah. I hang it on my bag. <laughs> exactly. I'll make one for myself too. Well, and that's the the really cool thing though, because Mike, you came here a little bit before I did uh, with Golf Tech to go through a session with Colwyn. So, what were you expecting out of that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously I, I know I have a lot of struggles with my swing and I kind of just make myself myself around or I find myself hitting around and, you know, I, I can make golf fun, but only to a point, you know, I wasn't getting any better. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've never had somebody really analyze my swing and just break it down. You know, I, I can't see myself swing. I watch a lot of YouTube videos and, <laughs> and try and fix it from there, but I'm not videotaping myself, so I was expecting uh, a lot, I guess. <laughs> and it, it seemed like you got a lot. We're going to post some of these videos throughout the week here on, on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram. But what technology do you guys use here in-house at Golf Tech? We use some uh, high-speed cameras from side view and front view and a simple Foresight GC2. So can I Google that? Yeah, it's just uh, it's just a, a pretty simple launch monitor system that mm -hmm. primarily tracks ball data, so it doesn't really measure a whole lot of what the club's doing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it just gives us some good ball data, and we it allows us to interpret what we need with our students in terms of their mm -hmm. ball flight. And I was amazed when one of the first things that that I saw was you got Mike to set up in his stance, and then you just went over and you like pushed him over. And is that something you do regularly with the people who walk through this door? All the time. All the <laughs> <laughs> and why is that? <laughs> because uh, a lot of people don't use the ground properly. And what we'll see with Mike is that he was very much sitting back in his heels. Mm. So I simply just basically breathed on him. <laughs> yeah. And it's a heavy breath. Yeah. And, and he fell over. In a COVID friendly way. Yeah. <laughs> we were, we were wearing masks. 
That's right. <laughs> Just as a disclaimer, yeah. didn't actually breathe on him. <laughs> you never know nowadays. No. Yeah, it was so you know, uptight. <laughs> that was amazing to me. You know, I, I mean, I didn't expect that. Well, it's something so simple that you wouldn't even think about, like, let alone the technology that, that you have in-house here. It's literally like you can get a buddy or whomever you're playing with and just say like, hey, can you come over and give me a shove? <laughs> and yeah. sure enough, like you, you literally, like you almost... Yeah, almost <laughs> fell backwards, got a concussion. But uh, no, that was amazing to see, among other things. Yeah, so there was four things that we went through. I don't remember all of them. I know that was one of them was the... Can you bring that up on, on yeah. your phone? Yeah. And one of them was was that, like the weight. And so is there anything for, say, people who, who are listening or they're going out with whomever playing golf? Is there something that they can think of? Okay, first, I got to make sure that my weight is where? Like, where should my weight be? I, d- I typically advise um, pressed through the ground <laughs> into, the, you know, through the balls of the feet okay. and the toes. Um at the same time, we don't want to be too much in the heels or too much into the balls of the feet and the toes where I could push you from the back and mm. you'd fall face first. Right. So there has mm. to be some sort of balance, you know, overall, mm-hmm. but generally pressed actively into the ground so that you could grip the ground and turn. That's why we want it there. And what, so what would this session, this would kind of be like if you were having someone come in, would this be like a typical first session with you is what we went through? Um, this was more of a lesson. Okay. Um, what I would have been doing with you guys would have been a swing evaluation mm-hmm. as a first s- technical first session mm-hmm. where we simply just evaluate the player's swing front and side view, compare them to tour pros, and then tell them everything that goes wrong and what they would need to improve upon. Right. And we had Mike up with, uh, well, Charlie Hoffman, because you mentioned, because you always look like, like good old Charlie there. But you got a, a huge database of of pros in there as well as do you have some like yourself are you in that database or you have other people no no okay no 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 nobody who works at golf tech is in the uh is in the pro drawer um doesn't mean i can't just take a swing and put myself on camera and compare you know next to mike or yourself Mm -hmm. or whoever Um, we do that all the time as well but yeah there's no saved swings of me in there where i'm just i can just pull myself up whenever i want i'd have to make a swing right yeah, and, and and so the lesson part was was very interesting, and there was lots of tips. But even before we got into that, I had taken one swing, and then you took me over and you measured my seven iron, and you immediately knew that my seven iron was too long for me. It's just a standard, out of the box seven iron, and I'm five nine. We'll say five five eleven on your hockey card, as I always say. Five twelve and a half, <laughs> and. Uh, Obviously, that's a standard seven iron is is not built for someone of my stature, and uh, so it, maybe I should get a club fitting too, which is something you guys do here as well. Yeah, we do a lot of club fittings. Um, yeah, and and it also relates back to that hole that you're wearing in the palm on your glove. <laughs> right. Oh, that was another one right. of those things yeah, too, yeah. where he was gripping the yeah, he was gripping above the cap on the golf club. Right. And it was already too long for him and he's just making it, it <laughs> yeah. longer is the effect of what you're doing. Exactly. Just, <laughs> golf is too easy. So I'm just trying to make it more challenging <laughs> is what I'm trying. But yeah, no, that was a great tip. And then we, I choked up a little bit and then I hit it a lot purer. Um, well, just based on getting your weight, and then the other one was your feet. Was it duck feet, or you yeah, kind of were, were pigeon-toed? Pigeon-toed. The the feet were pigeon-toed, so we we uh, flared them out a bit, and then um, 
yeah, and then my my aim was a little off. I, I and uh, we moved my back foot back, and then tilted my shoulders a bit, so I'd be hitting out to the right a little bit more. And, and you'll see it in the video. I'm the first swing before any any tips. I'm just swinging way out to the left, and and that makes sense because usually it goes way left, and then my slice brings it mm -hmm. a little bit back into play. But um, yeah, I'll be. Hitting big fades tomorrow. <laughs> well, I was just draws. amazed at how yeah, quick to get you hitting draws. Yeah, like, exactly. draws. Yeah, Sorry. I was just amazed at how quickly it changed because it was like 30, 30 minutes that you were working with that. Is that what you typically see? Like, who do you usually do you get in anywhere from low handicappers to mid handicappers to high handicappers, or is it like people like us? Yeah, every everything okay. in between. I have mm -hmm. um, I've I've worked with beginners who literally don't even have their own clubs oh, really? okay. to. <laughs> Bison's players. Oh, nice. Right. So yeah, everything in between juniors, ladies, seniors, doesn't matter. Um, anyone's capable of coming to golf tech and we can, we like to think we could help anyone with their game. Well, it seems like it within 30 minutes. What are some of the, so Mike, you're, what are you now? 16, 17, 18 handicap? 17.6. Yeah. So 17.6 then myself, 13.7. What do you see in like... If you copy and paste us with people coming in, what do you typically see that we're doing wrong? Not just us or people who are in our handicap range. Oh, that's a good question. Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, an incorrect club path. Mm -hmm. Mike would be a good example of what I see most often is a, a player who aims really far left with their body lines and then they in turn swing further across their body to the left where we need to fully recorrect them, point them out to the right mm -hmm. and have them swing in the club into out in hopes that they learn to hit a push draw. Mm. So that's what we see a lot. You, JR, didn't really have uh, that as an issue. Your club path was quite good. Pretty good, apparently. Na natural <laughs> but, uh, athlete. <laughs> yeah, definitely good. what I like to call a good blueprint. Good blueprint. Hey, yeah. wow. I'll take it. I appreciate that. But, but even then, even for me, just the small instruction that you gave myself and for Mike, like we literally in the video, you can see it, how the first swing where you generally, I guess, just take people and say, Cook, okay, set up how you normally set up and just hit, hit the ball. Yep. And then you get to see the progression each step from, okay, let's adjust this. Now let's adjust this. And you can compare it to the first thing. And even just seeing Mike, not even looking at the, the sensor, just visually me watching Mike, I was like, holy shit, like, yeah, this is. 20 times better already and literally yeah it was like 30 minutes real time those ve the visual technology you know it helps you so much rather than just being on the range with a pro him telling you but if you can see what you are doing differently that that uh, teaches you so much quicker right yeah, absolutely that. And you mentioned too that you have, there's a partnership with, with Southwood. So if you actually wanted to get out there and say, take you out for an on-course lesson or short game lesson, you can do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the nice relationship we've, we've built with Southwood. Um, so yeah, any, any students that we work with, uh, we can take them outdoors and tune them up in the short game putting facility and, uh, even take them on the course. Yeah, they got a great, uh, short game facility there too. Right. I think they got like three different greens, uh, and you can hit them from like 60 yards out. And that's something I don't practice enough, but to have that available is, is great. Yeah. That's, that's like I was saying, usually hundred yards in, that's what I could really, really use help with. But for me, it was just simply getting to see, and you can see it with, again, the cameras, 
that when I'm swinging, I literally at impact, like A, my right leg looks like it's going to break and I can see it on there and I'm like, whoa, okay, well, that doesn't look right. Uh, but also my, my hand just instantly turn over. And I don't know if that's just something that I brought up from a kid, but then that the one thing where you just kind of, you just told me to sweep, sweep. And then you showed me a video of someone doing it and you showed me how to do it. I did it a few times and you just kind of get that motion and it's just so helpful. And I think you were mentioning it and we may have mentioned it before how we're always rushing to get like the new latest technology for clubs, which is great and fine as you, you know, you do the custom fittings here as well, but just taking 30 minutes with someone like yourself can pay dividends over time. And is that something where if you come in, like how many say lessons or sessions with yourself do you, do you say need to really see that improvement where something actually sticks? Well, it's hard to say. It, it, it depends on the individual, honestly, because mm -hmm. it, it more relates to how quickly that they can get comfortable with it and then take it onto the course and execute and right. be comfortable on the course. <laughs> yeah, That's what it's all about. It's awesome if you can do it indoors here within a matter of 30 minutes, but mm -hmm. can you take it onto the golf course and actually put it in play? Mm -hmm. That's the big thing. Yeah. So that's where it's, it's hard to say, right? Like, you know, I could tune up one guy in one lesson and he's awesome for the rest of the summer or whatever. And another person might need 40 lessons right. to get it, you know? So it's completely individualized and that's kind of what we do here. It's like Ryan Bell, episode seven, he came in and he's like, oh, I need an emergency tune-up. That's right. Yeah, we were working on uh, Chief. <laughs> yeah, she, he, we were hitting Chief. So he, he was uh, he was looking like uh, Mike with his club mm -hmm. path to start. He was way outside the club head. The club head got out in front of the hands above yeah. that line that we saw, right? Right. That, sh that reference line for your club shaft. Um, and then by the end of it, he was nuking some push draws. Yeah, Absolutely. well, and that's what I cool too is getting to see the lines. Um, where you can actually draw on it after the swing. You can kind of put a box around it, see how steady your head is, see where your arms finish, where they start, where your ass is. Because Mike was humping the ball, which we found, because you literally drew a line yep. on his yeah. on his ass. Just and then as soon as you like, it was like just as you're about to make impact, literally you just pushed out with the old pelvis about, looked like almost a foot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty amazing to see. Just, just certainly just thrusting the air. Uh, he loves golf so much. Violently. <laughs> yeah. So we, we kind of fixed it a little bit, but I think with some practice or some more lessons, mm -hmm. I'll uh, have a more stationary pelvis or I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I, could, not. I could give you a nice little drill before you leave. Okay. <laughs> Two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. I look forward to that. So what do you all offer then here? Well, we offer primarily three things, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, instruction is number one, right? Where we offer... One-on-one uh, -on -one instruction with a coach. We offer one-on-one uh, -on -one club fitting, mm -hmm. and then also individual practice sessions where uh, our students who sign up for a, a, what we call a game plan, which is like a training program, um, it gives them a weekly practice time to come here and use the camera system and the launch monitors on their own. Oh, okay, nice. In a bay, and work on their game that way. Mm, smart. So. And does that still have, can you draw lines and stuff? Oh, yeah. There's, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, the only thing you can't do is like um, save swings. Mm. You can rewatch one swing mm -hmm. and you don't have access to uh, the drawer of tour pros, but our students should be 
knowing what we want them practicing on. So we give them stuff to monitor on the practice system and allow them to, and show them how to draw those reference lines. And that's how they use the camera system and the launch monitors to practice, practice with a purpose. Right. Better. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Practice. So uh, practice. What, what the hell was it? I just said practice, band teacher say, uh, practice, practice makes, makes perfect only, only if you practice perfectly. That's right. Now for me, I've played six rounds this year already, and I haven't been to the range one, <laughs> so that's not good. But I just but you get, shot your best round this year. I did, and now you got a nice little tune-up. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Although, which was very nice, and I like how you prefaced uh, this call when was, you know what, you're gonna go out there and you may you may suck, like it may be shitty, but as long as you're just trying to keep at it and falling in love with the process, mm -hmm. those results are gonna come. So Mike was taking notes. I started away in the mind palace because apparently I don't need too much to work on. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm sure I need a bunch to work on, but at least this was a great uh, foundation or you said blueprint to, to get it going. Absolutely. And, and I've been to, I've done other lessons and, and I, and I actually did one at golf town, not to knock golf town, <laughs> but it was just the pro. And I, he probably gave me 10 different things to think about and just like tweaking my body in every which way. By the end of it, I'm, I'm in a pretzel and I, and I, <laughs> And my mind is a pretzel too. And I, and it wasn't helpful to me at all. And exactly, I was terrible and I it never even, I couldn't even remember what I was doing wrong, but you laid it out perfectly. I wrote it down. I don't have a mind palace, it's more of like a, a mind shack. And mind outhouse. And now I have my crib notes for the course. <laughs> And I'll, and I'll be, I'll, ref, I'll reference back to them, but it wasn't overwhelming, you know? So that, I found that helpful. Yeah. Well. Is that typically what you do is you don't try and make it too overwhelming for, for people who come in? Yeah, absolutely. We, we do everything in half an hour lessons actually. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, so that allows us to keep things very simple mm -hmm. with our students. We're focusing on primarily one thing to make them better that session. And then we have the awesome camera system to literally instill the confidence and the reassurance that, yeah, you know what? You are doing the right thing when you do it like this, right? So mm -hmm. you just have to, again, trust that process and, you know, work through the little kinks. It's a lot of the stuff is going to feel really bad and really uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but it means we've made a change, right? right? And that's almost what we want to feel like. Mm -hmm. If we, if you're not uncomfortable over it, well, we probably haven't changed much and you're not going to really see any improvement. So we, we do want you to feel a little bit uncomfortable over the ball perhaps, because if you do it often enough and, and trust what you're doing is right, you're probably going to end up seeing results. Exactly. So I just got to get out there, get to the range, mm -hmm. get some swings in or just figure it out on the course. <laughs> That could be an expensive way to do it. <laughs> or just get a membership and it'll be fine. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Open. Free yeah. agents yeah. here. <laughs> uh, so how do how do we get a hold of yourself then? Can you said there's four? There's four uh, folks who can take you through through lessons or whatever you want here. Yeah. So there's myself. Um, there's Coach Mike Marion, who's the center manager here. Okay. Um, coach Joel Rhodes, and Coach Sean Lancaster, and uh, all of us are CPGA professionals. Um, they've been doing it a little bit longer than I have, so um, we're we're all awesome here. Um, we we help out a wide variety of students. We have different commitment levels and options, and you know, 
we love to help people out with their golf games and, and help them play better golf. Yeah, well, we really appreciate you letting us in here. And uh, you can check out the website. It's Golf Tech on Pamina Highway. You can Google it. It's fine. Literally, I think if you if we Google your name, Colwyn Abgral, Golf Tech comes up. Or something on comes up, but either way, people so. will know how to how to get a hold of you here. Mike, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask? I did. Uh, just one. Oh, actually, I have another one too. But yeah, you go ahead. Um, I wanted to hop back to Scottsdale. Okay. I just wanted yeah. to know if uh, did you did you visit the Waste Management Phoenix Open at all? Absolutely, I did. And can you tell us about that experience? Because I that's a kind of a bucket list thing. I want to go and and see it. And I Jordan J R mm-hmm. and me have actually played TBC Stadium, mm-hmm. not together, but uh, it was just an amazing sight to yes, see that. Yes. And the grandstands were half up when I was there, but uh, and I played two weeks before the tournament, oh, so wow. that they they were fully up, fully up, yeah. And it, it just seems like a, a great fan experience. So what what can you take from that? Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with the great fan experience. Well, um, pardon me. Yeah, it's, no, it's a it's great just, party experience. Okay. Yes, that is a, yeah. a better description. If you if you like golf a little bit and you love partying a lot, that's that's the one to go to. Yeah, so uh, I like golf a lot and I like partying even more. Um, but yeah, no, it just seems seemed like a blast. I, I I've never actually been to any uh, a tournament even so I would like to do that as well yeah that in itself like what was that like getting to see the tour pros hit a golf ball well it's it's impressive right (laughs) yeah what they do on tv is impressive but to see it hear it witness it in person um it's another it's another animal those guys are machines Mm -hmm. and it's honestly uh the the camera angles on TV don't really do them justice, right? There's some guys that look way smaller, some guys that look way bigger. Um, if you look at some guys down the line, some of them are pointed like beyond left and it just comes straight out of the barrel right. And they hit these monster just like push fades. Right. So it's, it's really interesting to just be able to like see some of that live, right? And... Yeah, I mean, there, you know, depending on the day, there could be 200,000 people at TPC Scottsdale, right? That's right? <laughs> crazy. So it's it's tough to get up and close to those guys because they're, you know, the past the ropes is however many dozen people deep. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, it's hot, you get sunburnt. It's, right. <laughs> The lines to the washrooms and the, to get food and drinks. Like, All right, it doesn't sound that good anymore. Well, if, you, if you're there primarily to watch golf shots, no, that's not the tournament to go to. Okay. Right. If you're there to, to party and listen to music yeah. and drink a few you know, beverages on the course and watch the occasional golf shot, then there you go. Well, I do mm-hmm. enter the, uh, the Masters ticket raffle every year. So you, oh, can, right. you win the chance to to go to whatever, a practice round or even one of the main rounds, I think. But I haven't won yet, and I obviously haven't been able to go the last two. Right. <laughs> that's a bucket list. So uh, maybe that'll be a more enjoyable fan experience as far as a, a, a pro game or a pro tournament. Mm-hmm. And if I want to get drunk, I'll go to uh, the Waste <laughs> Management Open. Yeah. Yeah. If you want some awesome weather and some uh, some crowded atmosphere, then go to TPC Scottsdale <laughs> in February. Yeah, or even like the Players' Cup. Did you get a chance to play in the Players' Cup having won? I unfortunately did not. No, okay. um, I would have, but I was um, coming back from the U.S. Amateur like uh, the okay. day before it started. Mm-hmm. I could have played, but um, that would have been basically what I would have considered my third major week in a row. No kidding. 
thing yeah. where I played Canadian Am, USM, and then what would have been Players Cup. So I I caddied for Austin again instead. Did, <laughs> yeah. uh, did you notice a, a difference then as well on on those guys who were on the McKenzie Tour and or were they hitting it like say the folks like the the tour guys in the states? Yeah, they they would. You could take any one of those you know guys on McKenzie Tour, Corn Ferry, Latino America, even the developmental tours, mm-hmm. right? Outlaw Tour in Scottsdale or whatever tour in Florida, mm-hmm. and any of those guys could make a cut on any given week. Really? It's just wow. a matter of everything matches up. They make a few putts. They make a few birdies, eagles, whatever. They they all kind of hit the ball the same. They all hit it really, really eh? good, really mm. far. It's just a matter of, you know, again, bogey avoidance, double avoidance, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And just, mm-hmm. yeah, making a lot, a lot more birdies than the other guys. And one thing we noticed when we came here, were, like the head covers, on your club. So what do you have in your bag right now? We'll, we'll talk maybe about the head covers, but what do you have for sticks in the bag right now? Well, if anyone who uh, knows me knows I play a pretty mixed bag. <laughs> um, I got a, a 2017 TaylorMade M1. Mm. And then my three wood and five wood are a Japanese brand called Hanma. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, so... Are those legal? They are. <laughs> they are legal. Um, I, right now, I'm also playing two Hanma wedges and uh, a really fancy uh, tailor-made high toe, raw. Shout mm. out uh, Eric Johnson, oh, tailor-made nice, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just got my, my nice Mizuno staff set playing some uh, MP20 MBs. And you mentioned two graphite shafts. That's right. I'm playing some uh, some 95 gram graphite <laughs> shafts. So, and that was a big stigma. We touched on it a little bit uh, before we jumped on the pod here. How when I was growing up, and even Mike mentioned, there's a stigma when you're getting irons. Like, oh, you got graphite irons. Ah, ha, 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 ha. But that's not the case anymore. No, it's uh, it's not the case, and that's kind of why I took it upon myself to put some graphites in the bag, because I wanted to not not to prove a point, but I. I wanted people to see like it, there's nothing to be made fun of with graphite shafts because they, they make wide variety of different options, different stiffnesses, weights, just like steel. They're just generally lighter weight. Mm. And from my experience and from my fitting experience with some of my students or just customers in general is that the graphite significantly outperforms steel for a lot of guys Mm. just in stability, consistency, spin rates, launch angle, all this kind of stuff. It just benefits a lot of players. And you can come here and get custom fit with that and walk out with clubs. Is that correct? Uh, You can't walk out with clubs, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, For free, no charge, all week. (laughs) Say you listen to 18 over barn, you can walk out with anything. Yeah, so we don't don't stock any clubs here Mm -hmm. for sale. Um, our custom fittings, uh, if, if anyone wants to purchase anything, it's ordered directly through the manufacturer. Okay. They just buy it through us and it's shipped here. Nice. But you can really fit for anything, right? Yeah. So our, our main brands for golf clubs, um, for our woods, we carry Ping, Callaway, and TaylorMade. Okay. And for our irons, we carry Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, and Mizuno. Nice. So the ones that you have in your bag. That's right. Yeah, I'm kind of the Mizuno guy at the center here. I've played Mizuno the last few years just on my own dime. And um, yeah, our, my center manager, Mike, um, was, was nice enough to kind of set me up with the uh, our, our Mizuno rep. And um, yeah, so we, we made a, a little deal and I got some, some fresh, <laughs> shiny Mizunos in the bag for this summer. And then, the, but the Japanese ones, how did you hear about those? 
Uh, I don't know how I really heard about them. Was they it just an Instagram kind of, ad? <laughs> I don't know if it was an Instagram ad, but uh, it was kind of at the time, like Justin Rose kind of signed on with them. Oh, okay. So I kind of, you know, became aware of them through there. And then um, one of my favorite eBay sellers, I'm a big eBay guy for uh, anyone out there who already knows. Uh, previous to what I have in the bag right now, almost all my clubs were off of eBay. But when I was down in Phoenix, I visited a, uh, an eBay seller um, in person. Oh, nice. They literally have like a, a little facility like this almost where they list all of their, their clubs and whatnot. And knowing the quality and the price that those clubs normally are retail. Um, I found some really good pricing and I just kind of drove up there mm, nice. and kind of put the components together and cool. way, way I went. And <laughs> it's been awesome for me. Yeah. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed playing the Hanma clubs, wedges and woods. Nice. And then with the, the club head covers too. So what's the one on, on chief there? On the chief is uh, the U.S. amateur head cover, so I've got to keep repping that, even though I'm no longer an am. Uh, just kind of give me some of those good reminders from my time down in Pinehurst. Absolutely. Did you, was that a compliments of them, or did you just go there and like, okay, I'm going to shell out some money here and pick this thing up because it's awesome? Yeah, that was uh, that was not a tea prize by any means. <laughs> you know, that was on my own dime. Um, but I. I while we're, while we're talking about Pinehurst and the USM, I will tell you guys a pretty funny story that not a lot mm -hmm. of people might know. Um, when I was flying down from Halifax, um, I landed in Pinehurst without my luggage and my clubs. No. For about a day and a half, almost two days. Holy. So... Yeah, I got to Pinehurst with no clubs, no luggage. <laughs> Who'd you and, fly with? Uh, Air Canada. I yeah. could have guessed. Shout out Air Canada. Losing the sticks. But uh, I did end up getting them before my competitive rounds. Oh, thank goodness. Um, but I missed out on playing the cradle course, which is a little like nine hole par three course right at the clubhouse, which is like a little infamous par three that oh, they yeah, have. Yeah. And then uh, I had to play a practice round my first practice round on course four with not my own clubs. Oh. Not that it uh, really mattered. I, I was already kind of, you know, made my peace with not contending or right. even sniffing what would be the match play cut or anything like that. But it's just kind of unfortunate not, you know, having to deal with all that mm -hmm. headache before I'm playing and missing out on playing the cradle and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you kind of missed out on the experience then, which is too bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Southern Hospitality, they, they hooked me up with uh, with some clubs. Uh, I still played my, my practice round and did what I needed to do. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of unfortunate that, that that happened, but it didn't really affect what my scores were going to be <laughs> yeah. at the end of the two days. Was it weird without your putter? Because that thing is a beast. What is that putter? Uh, that That's actually a, a different putter than when I was playing oh, it was, that okay. tournament. Um, but I, my coach was with me who came in from Phoenix and I used his putter, which was uh, the same brand at the time. I was playing an even roll putter. Um, but yeah, this is what I call the spaceship. Mm, <laughs> yeah, I was going to call it an alien looking yeah. device. And, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I took a picture of it, so I'll have to put, put, <laughs> put that, that up yeah. there. But Post the spaceship, shout it out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had I had a pretty solid uh, year in the greens last year, and uh, since then I think I've converted at least three players that I know of to really? buy one of those what things. What is it? Really? It's a it's, it's a putter. Well, the the name of the putter is a Directed Force 2.1, and it's made by a company called Lab Golf, and hmm. Lab stands for Lie Angle Balanced. Okay. So wow. again, I don't know if you guys want the whole details on 
on the putter, but um, I, I think it's very much uh, based in physics. It's already <laughs> over my head. So. Yeah, <laughs> we're not big math guys here. I think people have figured yeah, that one. My out. mind shack is overloaded <laughs> right now. But you talked about southern hospitality in uh, Pinehurst there, and uh, I guess two questions here because uh, I know Jr. is familiar with uh, the North Carolina golf. You, you've played down there, haven't you? Yes, played. Oh, I forget what they were, but I played a few courses down there in Raleigh, and, and it was hot. Oh yeah, humid was, too. Yes, what well, was there was heat mornings, and I think one day I was down there with Mooney, and it may have been like 106 Fahrenheit with the heat. And we're wondering because we go out there, and like this is a nice course. The cards had GPS, like this was 10 whatever how many ever years ago. So cards with GPS was pretty cool, and there was nobody at the course. We're like, what the hell's going on here? That's because it was really, really fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We just and we went to the mall to meet up with uh, my girlfriend uh, at the time, who's now my wife, and her friend who was living there. That's the reason why we went there because she was a nurse in Raleigh, or not in Raleigh, but uh, a town outside there. I forget what what it is. And we went to the mall after, and the girls were just like, "What the fuck happened to you?" Like, You're just tripping. <laughs> we're and just sweat. Tri- we're just buckets of sweat. We had probably each guy had maybe six beer on the front nine. <laughs> And we didn't pee once. Oh. We had a bunch of Gatorade, like it was just just wow. sweat coming off us. Anyways, I steamrolled that one. So what were you mentioning on? No, well, yeah. were you playing in similar conditions when you're at Pinehurst, Colin? Yeah, it was uh, second week of August. Oh God. Jeez. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, second week of August. Uh, I don't remember what the actual temperatures were, but um, yeah, she was she was humid. Say, and now, <laughs> do you do, do you have to wear pants like the pros, or is there a? No. No. Okay, good. No. You get to put some shorts on. You got your large brim hat. You got your yeah. So your take, taking a look at that picture. Uh, that's that was <laughs> all, that was my staple outfit. Was uh, wearing yeah. some pants. Just a nice big sum hat. Yeah. Nice smart some solar sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> Inspirational go. picture here. I might just put <laughs> just tape well, that up on your. I wall. might laminate it. Yeah. Put it on my bag. Laminate it next <laughs> to my my pro card. And that'll be my inspiration. If but you, if you want a forged pro card, yeah, Mike's your guy. Yeah. The only other question I guess I had about North Carolina was that: Did you get any good barbecue down there? Uh, uh, there's a, some good barbecue down in the south. There, I've been down to Alabama. Not roll, that I can time. remember, but we. Uh, we hit up Chili's though. Oh yeah, <laughs> Chili's is fun. Yeah. Good family place. Yeah, so we Good hit up food. Chili's, and I, I remember uh, my girlfriend and I. We actually um, we shared some some chicken and waffles. Oh, nice. Wow. So, so, True to form. Yeah. yeah. Southern hospitality. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that was my. Those were my last questions. Okay. Well, all right. Well, I think we're ready then for the back nine lightning round, and it is presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in the Point West Auto Park, where you can improve your ride and your drive. Just go down there, ask for the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie. He was out at Breezy Bend uh, a few days ago, and he I think he was like one over par or something like that. Oh my so, goodness. yeah, he's still, he's still swinging. Like the first game of the season, I think it was. Yeah. And he's already out there uh, lightening up. Check him out, winnipegdodge.com. They're different. They're different. Last week, we I, I said I wanted the Dodge Journey. This week, I'm looking at the Fiat's. A nice little Fiat. Gas is going up. Right. And uh, I think I'd look pretty cool in a Fiat. I don't know if the clubs so. would... They'd fit in the yeah, passenger yeah. seat. Perfect. Just tuck buckle them in. Them yeah, in. buckle them in. Yeah. Get a little a Barth. Yeah. <laughs> a little Fiat of Barth. Yeah, that would be nice. That'd be sweet. Tune, yeah, get 
Get some nice exhaust going on there. Grow a mustache and dye it black. (laughs) And laminate it. Laminate that mustache. (laughs) Anyways, back nine lightning round. Uh, Colwyn, are you familiar with the back nine lightning round? Did you study? I'm not. No, I didn't get the uh, didn't get the memo. Basically, just uh, nine questions now. Uh, Quick, quick uh, kills. That how uh, they don't. They can get carried away, so they're not as mm. quick. But uh, I'll try and keep it quick. We'll kick That's it fine. off here. Um, so first one: Have you ever got a hole in one? Three, three Ooh. hole in ones. Wow. So uh, where whereabouts have you got these? First one was at Rossmere on number seventeen. And how old were you? Uh, I would have been seventeen. Nice. Mm. Second one was down in Arizona at a, a course called uh, Dinosaur Mountain Sidewinder. Okay. During I feel a college like I've heard event. Of that one. Did I, Sandy mention that one? He mentioned, he mentioned there was a dinosaur course. Is there yeah, more? Sorry, one yeah, dinosaur courses. Yeah, sorry. There? Yeah. Uh, the court. The facility is called Gold Canyon, and the the Dinosaur Mountain is one of the courses that goes up the hill and around the mountain. Yeah. The Sidewinder course is on the bottom of the mountain. Oh, okay. It sounds like a theme park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the third one. Uh, third one was at uh, Southwood, hole number two. Nice. Sweet. That's a cool one. Do you have all the balls still? Uh, I think so. I don't know where they are, but I, oh, I'm okay. pretty sure I saved them. Nice. Nice. That's pretty good. Three is really good. A lot better than me. <laughs> don't have any. Uh, next question. Recent rule changes allow you to putt with the pin in. Do you putt with the pin in or out? Now, right now, it's kind of... It's different because you're you're not allowed to pull the pin mm-hmm. due to COVID rules. But curious, what you think of that rule, and what do you prefer? I I didn't mind the rule, and I took it upon myself to just leave the pin in, mm. and uh, I liked it. It worked for me. I'm still gonna do it. Nice. Uh, yeah. I might only pull it out if it's like if I'm like grinding over like a two and a half foot putt, and mm-hmm. I don't like the way the pin is sitting. Right. Right. Then right. I would pull it out. Happens, nice. Happens a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe the courses I'm playing at where they're they're a little bit diagonal, but I still jam it in there, and, and if if it bounces out, I'll count. It. Well, it is a little bit different because most people, like even like myself, like it like it out. But I guess is there any particular reason why you like it in? Um, from longer distances, I like being able to literally see where the hole is. Mm, okay. Like um, I, I struggled with uh, pulling the pin on longer putts, just not being able to gauge the speed. Ah, okay. So for me, that kind of helped. And then, um, you know, a couple studies that I read actually seemed to make the case that it was more beneficial to keep the pin in on almost every putt because it, uh, the ball went in the hole more often. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go with science. Science. That's right. <laughs> science rules. <laughs> Big science guy. Uh, next question. Where do you like to play regularly in Manitoba? Well, it's your most your favorite course in Manitoba. Um, yeah, kind of going back to my junior days. Uh, I, I love teeing it up at Steinbeck Fly. Yeah, yeah, just kind of the nostalgia of ripping around there as a junior. Uh, and that was actually one of my f- first rounds to to start the season. I played Bloomberg like the first Friday it was open. Yeah. Where there's still I, did too. Well, I played yeah. it on the Saturday, but yeah, yeah. And then uh, my other only round is uh, Steinbeck Fly in a few weekends ago. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I played that for the first time last year. That was the uh, that was day three of the Harambe Memorial right. Golf Invitational, <laughs> and I was haggard that day. Did not play well, but uh, well, I think they've played an amateur there, or match play championship, something like that so, before. Yeah. I think they've they played at Steinbeck Fly in there. Yeah, it's usually it's a it's a nice it's a nice course. They're hosting the senior championship. Is that what it year. is? Oh, okay, yeah. okay. 
And then I know you've played uh, a lot in, or you've spent a lot of time in Scottsdale. So do you got some favorite courses down there? Yeah, a couple. Uh, I don't know how familiar you, familiar you guys are with. We, we know we know all of them. Mike's we been down there so many times. I've played six <laughs> courses in three days, uh, so that's my extent. But I'm hoping you're gonna nail one of the one of the six that I've played. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's one facility in particular that I quite enjoy. It's called the Whirlwind. Okay. It's Another uh, theme park sound yeah. sound alike. <laughs> South of Phoenix, uh, on one of the reserves where they have uh, Wild Horse Pass Casino. Um, kind of down near Awatuki. So that was one of my favorite courses to go to. Not that I played it a whole lot, but just an awesome facility. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of some others that I enjoyed. I spent a lot of time at uh, Talking Stick. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Those are, you know, pretty flat courses, um, wide open tee shots, but that's another pretty good spot. A lot, a lot of, right, right by Top Golf too, mm -hmm. right. the casino. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, a few of the resort courses like Weekapa or Boulders or cool. Any of those, Mike, on the list? No, I had uh, <laughs> True North Monument oh, yeah. and Pinnacle. Yeah, played True those. Uh, Wildfire by the Nick yeah, Faldo yeah. course. That was amazing. Played there well, with Levens and Ringland was with us there. Nice. And uh, Lookout Mountain, Tapatio Cliffs was kind of cool. There's some huge elevation changes. And then TPC Stadium and... Uh, champions there but uh didn't do well that day that was the first day so should not have started there but top golf did you go to top golf a lot or no uh not a lot i think i went there like two or three times oh, yeah. but uh yeah really awesome spot if you've never been there gotta check gotta put that one on the list and yeah. check that out yeah nice. they got one in minneapolis do now. they now yeah oh nice okay we'll drive well if we there. can if covid you know. yeah we were down <laughs> there the uh, two years ago and i didn't go friends of mine went <laughs> and they were asked to leave uh, so you guys know who you are and uh but they had a great time i uh, went Sounds home like early it. um so next question here colwin uh in your opinion what is the best course that you've ever played or what is the top course that that's just the, the best course you've ever played Oh man, that's that's tough to say. Um, oh, here here's one that would be uh, kind of off the the radar. The, the the typical answer I could give you would be oh yeah, Pinehurst. Right, yes, right. Pinehurst yeah. number two or number mm -hmm. four, either one. Um, but there's another facility that I visited in Wisconsin, mm. in, in and around Kohler's, Wisconsin, where they make the toilets and the sinks. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right by Whistling Straits, where they're going to be hosting the yeah. Um, Ryder Cup. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a facility called uh, Black Wolf Run. Oh. Mm. They had a, a valley and a meadows course there that I played a, a tournament at, a two day tournament, and um, unbelievable. Wow. Just uh, yeah, Wisconsin has got to be one of the most underrated really, golf eh? states Ooh. in the entire. Yeah. North America. Do they have cheese on every hole there or not? <laughs> I didn't I didn't run into any well, cheese on any JR, hole. JR, if you remember Wilkie's favorite right. course was in uh, Wisconsin. It was the University of Wisconsin right. uh, course. I don't know what it's called, but it, it was in Wisconsin. If COVID ever lets up, we got to do a trip to Wisconsin because apparently tour. it's it's a it's a hotbed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Lots of really highly rated courses. Aaron Hills, Whistling Straits. Yeah. Uh, there's another course like Sand something. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Black Wolf Run would definitely be one that I would put on the list to revisit myself. Yeah. Shout out to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. When borders open, we're coming. 
<laughs> Were you trying to think of a, of a theme song for Wisconsin? Yeah. yeah, but it was Ohio. It was like that. <laughs> Cleveland rocks. Ohio. Different state. We'll have to cut that and use that for the uh, the guy who likes the Ohio courses. So next question. You've obviously played a lot of uh, big name courses, beautiful courses. Do you have a bucket list course anywhere in the world that you haven't played yet that you want to? Oh, God. Yeah. You, you name it, man. Um, I guess one that kind of comes to mind right away would be like Pebble, Tory, mm-hmm. TPC Sawgrass, where they host the players. Mm-hmm. And then some of those, um, what they call now the open courses, right? Mm-hmm. Like Royal, whatever. Right. All the Royal courses. <laughs> royal Troon. Yeah, Royal Troon or Liverpool uh, or Carnoustie. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of those ones. Uh, That'd be. What's That'd that one? Awesome uh, what's the one you played, Mike? What's the one? It's in Scotland. It's called St. Andrews. Is that the one, JR? Uh, that one sounds pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Well, I actually played it. I don't have. I don't mention it a lot, but uh, I played, Only every episode. played St. Andrews in 2019. It was an amazing experience. Uh, just Scotland in itself. But uh, yeah, it was, it was cool, kind of hard to get on. But uh, we won't have to get into that today. Uh, is there any course in Manitoba that you haven't played yet that you, you want to? A bucket list course in Manitoba. Yeah, there's a few. There, um, I think Buffalo Point is one that comes mm. to mind. Yep. Uh, I, I hear Gilbert Plains thrown out a, yeah. a lot. Yes. Wilkie uh, brought that one up yeah. too. There, I feel like there's another one out there that I'm missing, but um, there, uh, Nipawa is hosting the provincial amateur. I don't think I've played Nipawa. Right. Yeah. If, if there's a few that come Conch to mind that way. Yeah. Yeah. And you're familiar with Clear Lake uh, golf yeah. course. I saw that you played in the um, was it the, the Gray Owl? The Gray Owl. Mm, yeah. It looks, sounds like a fun tournament. There's like 300 guys, and it's <laughs> yeah. like a, it's all flighted too. Yeah, for handicap, flights which are is good. nice. We yeah. like flights. They they make you take. A, you guys would probably like this. They make you take like a, a shot of. Um, like whiskey or something like that <laughs> off the first tee. I'm like, I don't drink, but I was okay. Yeah. And then uh, pump when driver on the green. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a short first hole there. And Jordan's going to experience that this, this summer. summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm actually out there the same week as the Grey Owl tournament for a, a separate tournament that we have with my friends. So it's going to be a... That, be a fun that, week. that town's going to be full of degenerate golfers. <laughs> but uh, anyways, next question here. Uh, what is your career low round, not even in competition, just your lowest recorded score that, that you remember? Uh, this past summer, 63 at Southwood. Wow. Oh, at Southwood. That's it. Because were you uh, a member there? Yeah, the last uh, three yeah. years. 63, though. That's no joke. Was it windy? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. It's always windy out there, but I yeah. it, it didn't. Is that from uh, like the tips too? No, it was from the gold tee box. Yeah. So the, the tees forward, that was kind of our go-to. Um, we'd only really play the tips if we wanted to be miserable or <laughs> if we had to play the tips for Monday putter. Right. Right. But um, 63, that is no joke. Yeah, 63, bogey-free. And I actually three-putted two par fives. Whoa. And I didn't make a single birdie putt uh, inside of five feet. Everything was outside of five feet. Crazy. Yeah. The spaceship was rolling. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, bottle that. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to the spaceship. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) The physics spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, next new question here to the back nine lightning round, uh, you know, what type of ball are you hitting with the spaceship? Do you got a go-to ball or do you change it up or what's your ball? 
I play a golf ball called Snell. Oh yeah, Snell. Yeah, so any, Snell. Yeah, anyone who uh, who knows me know that I'm a, I'm a religious Snell guy. Mm-hmm. Um, more so based on budget more than performance, I would say. <laughs> right. Uh, I'd always say if uh, if I'm getting balls for free, I'd play those, whatever they might be. Mm, nice. But if I'm dishing out some some coin for some balls, I'm playing those ones because yeah. the logos are wiped off of them. I'm not noticing a difference between that and uh. Bridgestone, TaylorMade, Titleist, you name it. Interesting. Right. Yep. Did you shoot a 63 with that? Of course I did. <laughs> and that's uh, Dean playing- Snell. Did you say Dean Snell? Yeah. When, when you well, I said, said Team Snell, but yeah, Dean Snell. Snell. Dean yeah, Snell. but Dean Snell, because Mooney, he's the one who originally mentioned Snell golf balls and gave me gave me right. one to hit, and I guess he was with Titleist or yeah, before, he, like with, he has with a the bunch Pro of, V. Yeah, he has a bunch of different patents under his yeah. name. He's 38 known. to be exact. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> 38 U.S. patents on golf ball technology, and he... He, uh, he won't claim to be the inventor of the Pro V1, but he said he was on the team that invented oh, okay. the Pro right. V1. He's, mm-hmm. he's humble about it, but we all know he's the guy. <laughs> he is the guy, <laughs> and he, he makes some pretty good golf balls. That's awesome. I've played them too, but I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm good enough to, uh, to recognize the difference. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, well, I've been playing there. them since like 2017. Oh, so you're an uh, early adopter. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got one out of a... Uh, a range bag at talking stick when I had a practice membership there and I just played unreal with it the really? next few days. I kept it, did some research on it and then started buying them and I haven't uh, really played anything since. I have tried other balls like Bridgestone, Titleist, mm-hmm. TaylorMade, but uh, I'm not paying, you know, 65, right. $70 a dozen when I can no. get those for like 42. Right. Mm. I Smart. buy all my balls are used. <laughs> so <laughs> not the bags at Walmart. <laughs> Maybe you will become a Snell guy after you get some more uh, lessons here with Colwyn. Hopefully. Is that it? That's it for no, the... No, no. you. Oh, sorry. We got, right. We the, added The major some. one, right. We added two. Well, we added two. So this eighth one. Uh, so this is uh, courtesy of Moons. He, uh, he gave us a question. So if you were only allowed to use one club for a full round, which club would you pick? You're trying to go low, you only, but you only got one club. Obviously, this situation would never present itself. But <laughs> let's say if you want to get into this tur- tournament, Colwyn, and you, you can only use one club to qualify, what club are you using for that full round? Obviously, there's some variables in, in what course you're playing and what the conditions mm-hmm. are, but we'll average. <laughs> the club that comes to mind first would be like an 8-iron because mm. I can – I can still, you know, pump it out there high hundreds. What I could probably step on it and get it 180. Mm. Um, I can fan it open, chip it, still spin it on the greens. Mm-hmm. I could fan it way open, hit bunker shots or little chips and pitches. So I think that would be the most versatile into the greens and still decent distance-wise. Right. I like how you thought about that for, for everything. Yeah. I only yeah. thought about it for two things. One would be like hitting it off the tee and putting. What can I do that? That's it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of yeah. like oh, the bunker shots. Can I still spin it? Can I adjust like that? Yeah. That's a thorough thinking process. A thorough Thank you. answer to <laughs> yeah. a, a new question. <laughs> yeah. So now we got our, our flagship mm-hmm. question of the back nine lightning round. Uh, so don't be afraid to think outside of the box on this one. Uh, there's no wrong answers. Um, so the question is, what is your favorite condiment? And don't and don't limit it just to what you're putting on a hot dog or a hamburger. Like if you're crumpling up Doritos and putting it on a pizza, I think that can be still a sure. condiment. Jr. Would sure. you agree? Yeah, I would, so I would say that's okay. Is is accepted? 
Uh, I'm not a big uh, crush up chips and <laughs> sprinkle them on some food type of guy. But okay, um, fair. My main one, I guess, would be um, Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce. Mm. Another barbecue sauce. But guy. recently, I've been heavy into the honey dill. Nice, the honey so, dill. Those like are, on, on everything, do you dip it, like your fries and that and everything? The little yeah, fries, oh, yeah. chicken fingers. Yeah. I'm even putting it on my sandwiches and bringing them to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> honey dill is so good. And, yeah. and it's such a Manitoba thing. Absolutely. It is, yeah. And, uh, I had got... And, we, I got that confused with honey garlic in a previous episode, right. but honey dill, yeah. Chicken fingers, fries. Yeah, definitely a late adopter to the to the honey dill bandwagon, but uh, right. you're all about it now. I'm all aboard. <laughs> yeah, I'm all aboard now. That's well, great. Yeah, well, that's it for the back nine lightning round presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. Check out Wilkie, winnipegdodge.com. Colwyn, this was awesome. Thank you so much. You're going to get yourself a 8-inch custom DQ cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs, and you can uh, get them now on Instagram, at DQ Manitoba. They're at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the Food Court, DQ Niverville, home of Colwyn Abgro, and DQ St. Anne's Road. And as I mentioned, yeah, follow them on the gram, DQ Manitoba. And as always, 18 over par with Mike and JR is presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. Thank you so much for coming. Well, I guess we should be saying yeah. thank, thank you for, you having, for us. having us. Thank you for hosting <laughs> here us. at Golf Tech. I guess uh, want to get a hold of you. Are you on? It's you're on Instagram. I am on Instagram. Yep. Or you can just Google Golf Tech. Yeah, you can uh, give us a phone call. You can submit your information online, and uh, we will we will try to get back to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you can get a hold of us at the center here. Uh, you can get a hold of me personally on on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I am totally cool to talk to anyone via DM or even on Twitter. But uh, yeah, it was awesome having you guys in. I, that's, this is the reason why I wanted to get you guys in here and show you exactly what the experience at Golf Tech is like. So I, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah, it, it was, is an and, experience. Uh, it was an eye opener. Yeah, it was yeah, great. Absolutely. For sure. I was just amazed at how quickly everything came together. Yeah. With like, whereas Mike or myself, it's you know one swing and. Here we go. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Here's what you got to do. The, the power of the cameras is uh, is quite exceptional. So yeah. it really speeds up the learning process. And um, yeah, it lets our students, you know, have some confidence and reassurance in what they're doing. Right? Yeah. We can compare it side by side to their own swings and to some tour pros. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. We certainly appreciate that. Yeah. No yeah. worries. Thanks for having me on boys. It was awesome. And, uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, we'll have to get you back on and see how your, uh, your teachings and we'll have to get some more teachings from you as well to, uh, see how it improves my game. Cause I'm excited. I'm excited to play golf. So appreciate that, uh, for getting the, that excitement back in the beginning of the year. And uh, thanks again. Thanks. Bye-bye. So long. Bye-bye. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. You're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12-12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. You can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile because tomorrow you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. 
The front doors will open like the Azalea Line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best-looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pool Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats. <laughs> 